It says in Genesis chapter 8, And Noah built an altar unto the Lord and took of every clean beast. They're just coming off the ark, having been on there, I think, 361 days. I think it is close to that, a year and a day. And took of every clean beast and of every clean fowl and offered burnt offerings upon the altar. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. And the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground for any more for man's sake. For the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more everything living as I have done. And we should say a huge amen to that. While the earth remaineth, sea time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, shall not cease. It says in Hebrews 13.8, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hebrews 6.17, wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability, the unchangeability of his counsel. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, have cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. Malachi 3.6, I am the Lord, I change not. Numbers 23.19, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of man that he should repent. Hath he, not, hath he said, and shall he not do it? He is the God who does not change. By the way, our climate is part of the climate. If you just read that verse for what it says, there's going to be fluctuations in the climate, for which I'm glad. I'm glad it is not 95 degrees year-round, and I'm glad it's not what it was last Christmas. Was it like, like six below zero at high for one day? I'm glad it's not like that. God has graciously here in Greenup, Kentucky, given us a change of seasons we so look forward to the fall season, the beautiful leaf change. God is just gracious to, to let us see these things. I'm not against stewardship. I'll say that from out. I am for the stewardship of what God has given us. I will also say climate change has nothing to do with stewardship. Let us pray together, and we will go forward. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, a difficult topic a difficult message, something new, and something I want to, us all to be aware of, and we want to focus upon you. You are the God of all. You are the God who does not change. Nothing takes you by surprise, and you have given us this promise, seed time, harvest, cold winter, day, night, winter, summer. Lord, we just thank you for your love upon us. May you help me this morning. Forgive me of sin, empty myself, and please fill me with your spirit. Be with those teaching downstairs. May we uh, have a children that grow up to want to serve you. May help us as adults that we would be the examples and help to train our young people, grandchildren, etc. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, three things. Uh, we're not getting them, to them all by any means this morning. Uh, the meaning of the definitions, the movement about a deity, and the message from the divine. Uh, podcaster Daryl Harrison in a podcast in June said these words from the Just Thinking podcast about two months ago. We are deeply concerned about the church. Climate change as a philosophy or perhaps a worldview has become one of the most insidious devices that Satan has ever employed in an effort to deceive the people of God since he convinced Eve to eat of the forbidden tree in the Garden of Eden in Genesis 3, end of quote. That sort of sets the stage of where we are, and you may not may have not heard about it much. Perhaps you're choosing to keep your head in the sand. Please don't do that regarding this. 
the meaning of the definitions, I think about this verse, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. The very next verse says, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. In 1 Timothy 6.20, O Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust. Avoid vain and profane babblings, or profane and vain babblings, and opposition of science falsely so-called, right from our scripture, right from the Bible, 1 Timothy 6.20. The meaning of definitions, and I see, first of all, then the tide, climate change-wise, and the resistance. The tide, and then there is the resistance. We're going to put those all in one point under the meaning of definitions. From an article, July 30th of this year, from the American Insider, a steam, quoting, a steam physicist, John Clauser, who holds multiple degrees from the California Institute of Technology and Columbia University, who won the Nobel Prize in Physics in 2022, as a science expert, Clouser does not believe there is a man-caused, man-made global warming crisis. He doesn't, doesn't sit well, though, with some activists, as you can imagine. Quoting now Dr. Clouser, I don't believe there is a climate crisis. The world we live in today is filled with misinformation. It is up to each of you to serve as judges, distinguishing truth from falsehood, based on accurate observations of phenomena. In my opinion, there is no real climate crisis. There is, however, a very real problem with providing a decent standard of living to the world's large population and an associated energy crisis. The latter is being unnecessarily exacerbated by what, in my opinion, is incorrect climate science. Well, he gave that his uh, gave this speech or gave this uh, this article. Come behold, he was supposed to speak at the International Monetary Fund, but when they heard this statement. The quote now from the CO2 Coalition, Nobel Laureate Physics Professor Dr. John Clauser was to present a seminar at Climate Models to the IMF on Thursday, and now his talk has been summarily canceled. So you may not be, this, the climate, I don't borrow from the next message, but climate change is not about how the fluctuation in temperature. That's not the purpose of climate change. It's not the temperature fluctuates. We can actually go back to different scientists say it was actually warmer in the 1600s, warmer in the time of Rome than it is now. I'm telling you, God is in control. The climate has never been, it's going to be 72 and sunny every single day the rest of The climate's never been about that. The climate has changed. That's what the climate does. God gives us not. Now, if I guess, I think, uh, is it California, is it San Diego has like the best climate in America, almost the same time, all the time, same temperature, etc. But the, this climate change is a movement. It has a lot of pantheonism, it has abortion in it. It has population control in it. It has Gaianism in it. Gaianism is the worship of the earth, and you'll we'll hear about that next time. But the cancel culture is, if you don't believe in this, the elitists on whoever they are, the left, the center, whatever they are, or want to cancel anybody who does not speak up to what they agree with. Dr. Clauser is not the only commentator who has disagrees with that. The founder of the Weather Channel, the founder of the Weather Channel, says there's no significant man-made, man-caused global warming. When asked by CNN... Uh, about climate change. Brian Stelter said he was a climate change denier. Mr. Coleman, who founded the Weather Channel, 
said, I resent you calling me a denier. That is a word meant to put me down. I'm a skeptic about climate change. She said, climate change is not happening. There's no significant man-made global warming now. There hasn't been any in the past, and there will be no reason to expect any in the future. There's a whole lot of baloney, quote, quoting him, a whole lot of baloney. An article called Energy Industry Fears That There Will Be a Declared COVID-Like Climate Emergency. Now, this is what you and I have to be, you need to be aware of this. That is a very potential part here in our own country, across the world. The UN Secretary General, Antonio Guterres, released an alarmist message saying that, to quote now, the era of global warming has ended and the era of global boiling has arrived. Global boiling. Using adjectives that include terrifying, Mr. Gutierrez, who said a UN member, says that we must turn a year of burning heat into a year of burning ambition. The UN very much promotes climate change agenda. A number of media outlets, including Los Angeles Times, have floated the proposals of somehow implementing an occasional blackout to help solve climate change. The London Guardian article said that our own administration is to declare a climate emergency, and it must do it now. So this is what we're facing here in our own country. It's, it's, we need to go back to what the Bible says. We have got to base our entire thinking and thought processes and understanding what has God said about these different things? Another scientist who has done a hundred scientific papers, Dr. Judith Curry of the Georgia Institute of Technology, says these words. She says that a lot of her colleagues have been accused of, of, of fueling the man-made climate for fame and fortune. She claims that the scientists who do not play ball with those who are dealing out the money will not get the grants and the recognition of those who do play ball with those According to Professor Curry, the industry only rewards scientists who are ready to raise false alarms. By the way, every year the UN, as well as other government bodies, fork out millions of dollars to organize climate change conferences. It is almost, and some would say this, they have created a problem to make them give us a solution to a problem they have created. God is in control. I'm telling you, God is in control. One of the ideas is, has even been fostered that they're starting to do research on how to block the sunlight from coming to earth. Honest, honest engine. You can look it up for yourself. It is all in my thing. Now, this is my personal. I'm going to give you what people have said. My own personal thing, idea is, could it possibly be this is another part of controlling who? Us as a people? Just thinking out loud. I'm giving you articles. Here's an article from August 19th of this year from the Federalist from London. 14 American cities have a target of banning meat, dairy, and private vehicles by 2030. 14 major American cities have signed on to a global climate agreement with a truly dystopian. Now, dystopian is related to or denoting an imagined state or society where there's great suffering and injustice. They signed on to a dystopian goal for the country's immediate future that includes eliminating meat, dairy consumption, private vehicle ownership, air travel, clothing purchases. There are already 14 well-known cities by 2030 have this vision. Austin, Boston, Chicago, Houston, Los Angeles, Miami, New Orleans, New York City, Philadelphia, Phoenix, Portland, San Francisco, Washington, D.C., Seattle, and Greenham. No, not Greenham, sorry. No, Greenham. The ultimate goal. 
For this city, now think about this, this is their idea, no, zero meat consumption, zero dairy consumption, three new pieces of clothes per year, zero private vehicles, and one shorthand return flight of less than 1,500 miles over once every three years. And you're thinking everybody in America on those cities are going to sign on to agree to that by 2030? But By the way, already in New York City, the mayor has replaced restrictions on meat and dairy products served to public institutions in California has already been approved a law by 2035. Half of the heavy-duty trucks in California, sold in California, must be electric by 2035. It's already passed, according to the New York Times, from that article. At the same time, Europe has, ba- Europe, sorry, has banned the sale of new gas vehicles by 2030. France has already banned short-haul air travel. If you can travel by train in two and a half hours, you cannot take an airplane to that destination. You must go by train already. This is all found in an article called The Future of Urban Consumption in a 1.5 Degree C World Report published in 2019. By the way, Michael Bloomberg is one who's doing a lot of the financing of this study to turn cities into non-eating meat and dairy. I tell you, my chocolate milk, I don't want to give up my chocolate milk, so I'm not moving to any of those cities. Epic Times, listen to this quote now, before I give you who said it. There is no climate emergency, and the alarmist messaging, messaging pushed by global elitists is purely political. That was signed by 1,609 scientists and informed professionals where they signed the Global Climate Intelligent Group's World Climate Declaration. Continuing on, they said, climate science should be less political while climate policy should be more scientific. Scientists should openly address uncertainties and exaggerations in their predictions of global warming. One man who signed it, who is a distinguished professor of aerospace engineering at Rutgers, said, quoting, I signed the declaration because I believe the climate is no longer studied scientifically. Rather, it's become an item of faith. The earth has warmed about two degrees since the end of the Little Ice Age in 1850, but that hardly constitutes an emergency or even a crisis since the planet has been warmer yet over the last few millennia. There's plenty of evidence, he says, that average temperatures were higher during the so-called medieval warm period, centered around the year 1000, and the Roman warm period, and the early Holocene after the last regular ice age ended period. The tide. There's a tide to get us to, to understand and to, to put a rubber stamp on something. So if you write a, a let's just say you write an article on how to tune pianists. I'm not a very good... And, and said, I want you to sign, Pastor Tim. I want you to sign because I'm writing. I'm doing. I'm wanting to do a, 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 a how-to tune pianist without even reading. I want you to put your rubber stamp on it. Well, I would be foolish if I wrote the four without ever, ever having read the book. I think sometimes we, if not careful, we might sign on for something without what's really. When you scrape the layers back, what's this really about? I'm telling you, I can tell you this. When I scrape the layers back about God's Word, it gets better all the time. It's always right. This is where we find we've got to land right here. Let's have another breath of fresh air. Uh, the terminology back to Acts, uh, Acts, Genesis 8, 22. While the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. Isn't it interesting use the word day and night it's not that hundreds of years of human history he's promised us give us this day our daily bread 
and day and night shall not cease. He's not saying it's going to be like this for eternity. He's saying, well, I'm in control as the earth as it is. They're going to continue on. We need to be careful about embracing. We need to exegete the culture. Anything that is pushed by any entity that is contrary to Bible, we should jettison and not follow along. There's an article in, in Christianity.com in September 9, 2021 by Vivian Bricker. The, t- uh, idol, the title of the article is, What Does the Bible Say About Climate Change? And her, right, I looked at the article just yesterday. Right out of the box, she says these words. Climate change is not discussed in the Bible. But believers are given facts in the world, however. It is right for us to take care of the planet and to do what we can help can to help the earth as God's good stewards. I am all about good stewardship. I'm about that. Climate change is not about biblical stewardship. So our goal over the next couple of weeks is to talk about biblical theology of climate change. I'm not a scientist. I'm not a meteorologist. I'm not even much of a fisherman. But I want to be a Bible person. I want to be a person of the book. And you need to be a person of the book. You do need to be a person of the book. We're not, and we, I don't want to call myself a theologian, but I want to call myself a person of the book. And we should be that. Everything we learn about economics, philosophi, biology, mathematics has to be understood in light of the overarching reality of the character of God. I'm going to read this. I'm not going to even tell you who wrote this because it would discourage your heart. There's a well-known evangelist of yesteryear quoting, I don't think that there is any conflict at all between science today and the Scriptures. I think that we have misinterpreted the Scriptures many times and we've tried to make the Scriptures say things they weren't meant to say. I think that we have made a mistake by thinking the Bible is a scientific book. The Bible is not a book of science. The Bible is a book of redemption, and of course, I accept creation's story. I believe that God did create the universe. I believe that God created man, and whether it came by an evolutionary process, and at a certain point, he took this person or being and made him into a living soul or not, does not change the fact that God did create man. Whichever way God did it makes no difference to as to what man is. I, 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 I fear that statement. It, this is a book of science. Everything it says about science is true. It's a book about biology. Isn't it Psalm 139 one of the greatest attestations to the creation of, of humankind by God? He, he knit me together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 1.5, he knew me when I was in my mother's womb. Does this not, is this not where we land when it comes to the sanctity of human life, whether you are in the womb or you're 85 or 95 or 105 years old? This is it on everything. History, mathematics, science, philosophy, theology. It's here. This is the one source. So that, I, I'm not going to tell you who it is. Because it discouraged me about that person, so I'm going to go on from there. But listen, this it is a book about science, and God has told us what He is, how He created everything. We just—it's not to be interpreted; it's to be obeyed. The Bible's not for your interpretation; it's for your obedience. We forget that we we somehow think that we as mankind—I'll get off my soapbox—can can can do can do things on our own. Well, I have a 19th century quote from a Dutch reformer, Herman Bavick. Bavnik, a household name. His book is called The Christian Worldview. Listen to this. Knowledge of truth is possible only if we begin with the fact that subject and object, knowing and being, correspond to each other. 
This fact stands firmly in the immediate awareness of all people and is accepted consciously or unconsciously by all who still believe in truth and science. It is the task of science to explain this fact, but if it cannot do it, it will then, on pain of suicide, have to leave the matter untouched and it will be capable of explanation only if it allows itself to be illuminated by the wisdom of the divine word of God. End quote. That is it. It's the divine word of God. Henry Morris lists for us in Appendix 7 all these Christian scientists who believe... I'm telling you, I'm just thinking carefully now, thinking my own, these are my own thoughts now. If you, do not, if you reject the God of the universe, how can you truly know then science? I'm telling you, you've got a leg up. If you'll believe what the Bible says and start with there, does the Bible not say... The, beginning, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. That's where it starts. You wonder why so many Christians discovered. And my favorite's Francis Bacon. He's got to have been a good guy, Francis Bacon. And so he discovered, uh, I'll think of it, a scientific method. He discovered, among other things. Listen, there is no science apart from God. No true science apart from God. But pastor, you're so narrow. I am narrow-minded when it comes to God. We are to exalt Him. You want the truth of how things go. It's in His Word. Now, all the details. God did not give us all the details of every single thing we could possibly know in our lifetime. Yes, thank you. We couldn't even carry the Bible in. You'd have to have, like, bring a Mr. Brother Bill, have to throw it on Brother Bill's uh, tractor trailer, and he had to haul it in here, and, well, here it is. Weighs 10,000 pounds, but it has all the things from all the centuries of all the things people want to ask about. Or you, the principles of God found therein. There's enough here for you and I to ruminate on for like 50 lifetimes, and how about enough for eternity? Forever, O oh Lord, thy word is settled. Forever. That's a pretty long time, is settled in heaven. So science is not ex nihilo. What does that word mean? We know what it means from answers in Genesis, out of nothing. Now, the universe is ex nihilo. Out of nothing, God created everything. Or you can choose a big bang mentality that all of a sudden some accidental thing happens. Do you not understand that everything flies in the face of evolution? There's nothing that supports evolution scientifically other than somebody's worldview of rejecting God. And please, if you are... If you are justifying and putting evolution in the Bible somewhere, just don't let me know about it, okay? You go on your way, because I will be strongly disagreeing with that. I will still be friends. Evolution does not fit anywhere in the Bible, period. Period. End of story. But science, now, we must begin with God. By the way, I think science is just discovering what God already knows. Is, is that possible? Yes. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Can you just simply ruminate on that for just a minute? I know I've used that word twice already. Just think about that for just a moment. In the beginning, God. Wow. When there was nothing, just God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, He created. Wow. If you will believe on that and just sort of park there, everything else is easy. In the beginning, God created. Isaiah said in 44.6, Thus saith the Lord, 
the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last. And beside me there is no God. That's it. He's it. The Truth War, John MacArthur says in the book, The Truth War, which I have back at home if you want to read it sometime. Truth cannot be adequately explained, recognized, understood, or defined without God as the source. Since He alone is eternal and self-existent, and He alone is the creator of all else, He is the fountain of all truth. If you do not believe that, try defending truth without reference to God and see how quickly all such definitions fail. The moment you begin to ponder the essence of truth, you are brought face to face with the requirement of a universal absolute, and the absolute being is the eternal reality of God. Truth, He is truth. Where did you find that, Pastor? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now, science, about 14th century, came on the scene. I think it was actually Francis Bacon that started using that word a lot often. It simply means acquired knowledge. If you're a scientist, you probably study for hours on end every day to become acquiring the knowledge of your given field. Many scientists, Henry Morris says, quoting now from the appendix just for a moment, many scientists today insist that no true scientist can believe in special creation or in the inspiration of the Bible. They're wrong, however. For there are thousands of living scientists who believe in special recent creation, who believe in Christ and have accepted Him as personal Savior, and who believe in the inerrancy and full authority of the Bible. By the way, you want a new video, it's is Genesis History. You should watch that, is Genesis History. Men like Louis Pasteur, Isaac Newton, Michael Faraday, Joanne Kepler, Carl Linnaeus, Lord Kelvin, Francis Bacon, all were Christians. Nicholas Copernicus, who said, you know, we are not revolving around the earth, we revolve around the sun. It was Isaac Newton, the law of motion, the law of gravity. Do you know Isaac Newton wrote 1.3 million words on theology? On theology, not science, 1.3 million before typewriters even. I don't know if he even used a quill. He might have been using a quill. I don't know. Again, I retrace this back to Vivian Bricker's opening statement in the Christianity.com article. Climate change is not discussed in the Bible. I just would just stop for just a moment. I'm thinking about the flood. What a huge climate change. How about the post-flood world? How about the ice age? How about the tribulation time when God comes and all these things happen? How about the millennial kingdom to come? How about the new heavens and new earth? I'm thinking there's going to be... How about the earth destroyed by fire? I'm thinking there's going to be a little bit of a climate change in 2 Peter. So no, the Bible does not say the word climate change as used in 2023 in September. It doesn't say that, but I'm telling you, it says a lot of things about how the climate has changed or will change or won't change or does say those things. Definitions, terms are so important. He who owns the language owns the culture. He who owns the language owns the culture. If you have doubts about that, Look at America the last 20 years. Just look, just look, see how we've changed. Global warming. But at first, by the way, before it uh, became climate change, it was global warming. And before global warming, which I sure somebody probably, actually no one knows this, maybe Stephanie, it was called inadvertent climate modification. Inadvertent climate modification became, became global warming, which became climate change. According to NASA, the uh, NASA's Global Precipitation Measurement website. 
Global Warming is used uh, full of references on the internet, and also the Union of Concerned Scientists website on climate change is titled Global Warming, but actually climate change is more than global warming, for it includes the raising of water levels, etc., 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 and all those things. That's a worldview. I said climate change is a worldview. Darwinian evolution plays a large part of climate change. What is Darwinian evolution? According to Stanford University Encyclopedia of Philosophy, Darwinism designates a distinctive form of evolutionary explanation for the earth history or history life on earth. Its original formulation provided in the first edition of Charles Darwin's On the Origin of Species by the Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the Struggle for Life. When's the last time you heard any of the elitists include that last part of or the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. They want to ignore, by the way, I, I don't hear so much about Darwinism. And that's because it's called naturalism. That's what's called now. Philosophical naturalism. They have learned that Darwinism carries, in, in some people's minds, a negative connotation. Yes, it does. Andrew... Hoffaker said these words in 2007 in a book called Revolutions in Worldview, Understanding the Flow of Western Thought. Listen to this, quoting, Although Darwin may have been religiously ambivalent. Now, ambivalent means mixed feelings, contradictory ideas about someone or something. Darwin had contradictory ideas about religion. His explanations were not ambivalent. Darwin's observations impelled him to rescind earlier arguments that invoked the need for God to explain the order of nature. Nature no longer needed a creator, according to Darwin. The hinge of a bivalve shell may be beautiful to the eyes of a human observer, but obviously it was not made by an intelligent being, as is the hinge of a door by a craftsman. Darwin wrote, quoting, There seems to be no more design in the variability of the design of organic beings and in the action of natural selection than in the course on which the wind blows. If you watch the uh, Genesis history, one guy goes into detail how all the genome and how all the cells and how the, the DNA molecules, how that they just work. It's amazing the complexity of even the smallest of things, and to somehow make the brash statement that there's no more organization and, 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 and animal kind and humankind than which way the wind blows? I'm telling you, our God's a God of... of, of uh, he's an awesome God. But he, He's a God of, of, of uh, regulation. I'm not, there's a word I can't find. My other, but, uh, but He is so consistent. God of complexity. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. How about Exodus 20? Another breath of fresh air. Exodus 20, 11. For in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that in them is, and rested the seventh day. Wherefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. You say, Pastor, what's the big deal about capitulating with evolution? When you start capitulating, uh, capitulating with evolution, you've got all these texts later on in the Bible. You've got to somehow jump around and find some kind of alternate explanation for God said he did it in six literal days. What more do you need? Well, well Pastor, I've I, 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 I just read some books by human beings who, who really believe these Christians, and they say somehow we can fit evolution and, 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 and together. With the Bible, you will never 
believe such stuff if you read just the Bible. Do you realize what happens when people start reading outside of God's Word? That's how you become different in your theological persuasion. I've said it before, and I may not completely agree. I don't think you become Calvinistic by just reading the Bible. That's my, that's my personal statement. You, you read people who wrote about the Bible from their presuppositions. And then, oh, you don't, and I don't really believe necessarily that you believe in it. I don't, evolution is nowhere here to be found. Oh, but pastor, the scientist said, I must be an illiterate person if I believe what the Bible says. Well, let him, let you be illiterate and read to believe the Bible. Let them be literate and ignorant. He closes up that little quote says, Consequently, God was no longer necessary to explain the natural order. Science could get along quite well without God. Or so Darwinian social scientists thought. Now, how are we doing? How are we doing in America? Let me ask you. How are we doing getting along without God? How are we doing? Since the 60s, put God out of school, stop praying. You want me to I think of the, I read a really good quote, a long quote from about a, a school teacher. And she, uh, and she was writing all the things they go through. And the end was, and you want me to do all this without praying? You want all these things I've got to do without praying? How are we doing? Today, you will not hear proponents, supporters of Darwinism use such terms. It's the philosophical naturalism or just plain naturalism. There's been so much refutation of Darwin and his theology. I guess I have to close with this one probably. Dr. Philip Johnson says in a book called Evolution as Dogma, the Establishment of Naturalism, he says this, Philosophical naturalism is so deeply ingrained in the thinking of many educated people today, including theologians, that they find it difficult to imagine any other way of looking at things. Since there is nothing outside of nature, and since something must be produced, all the kinds of organisms that exist, a satisfactory naturalistic mechanism must be waiting to be discovered. I thought about a verse for this. The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Corrupt are they, and have not done a abominable iniquity. There is none that doeth good. We are in a battle for the truth. That's the, move, that's the meaning of definitions. I got through point one. I have avoided using two specific terms today and intention. I want you to know I want to stick with what the Bible has to say. I'm not casting, trying to cast any disparaging viewpoint on any particular uh, group you might be a part of. There are those in America, regardless of whoever, whatever they sign on to be as, who want to destroy. Climate change is a worldview based upon the eliminating of human species as much as possible, the the lowering of the population, the saving of the planet. Guyanism is a worship of Earth itself. And we need to be aware of what it's saying. I'm for very much for, and you, I believe, as a real group, we agree. The stewardship of God's, and you do that. I am very much for the stewardship of God's, it's his earth. Songwriter said, this is my father's world, and we have been given the stewardship of it. But please, before you sign on for this climate change, you need to hear the rest of this message and understand what the direction is.
This is our direction. We are to, He has promised seed time harvest, cold, heat, winter, summer. I'm trusting Him. And I believe we all need to be that right here. Let's pray.